jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for oh! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. You can also text us at 315-288-0644. Big week ahead as we head down to New York City. I'll be heading down tomorrow, Seth. Uh, for the Syracuse women's game as the Orange takes on uh, Texas A&M, a battle of, of top 20 teams. Before I came over here, I was at the Mellow Center, caught up with Coach Q and a, a few of the players uh, before they board the bus and, and head down to New York. They're excited to be a part of this this big week. Uh, Q's in the Big Apple, and we of course we know the, the men's basketball team playing Thursday and Friday down there at the Garden. We'll be doing our show uh, from the, uh, the Sirius XM Satellite Radio uh, Studios in Manhattan on Thursday and Friday, and then uh, Syracuse Notre Dame on Saturday at Yankee Stadium. You'll be doing a pregame show, yes? Yeah, we'll be live at the Bronx Draft House uh, Saturday, 1230 to 2.30, just a couple blocks away from Yankee Stadium. So it's uh, it's me and it's Seth Everett. And come on out. We're doing our pregame show and hanging out there for uh, the lead-up to the game. goes without saying this is a big game. Uh, just how big, I guess, can be debated. You know, I, I asked you yesterday. It's It's got to be the biggest in almost 20 years. I mean, it has to be. I think it is. Um, you know, we at the very least, uh, two thousand one. We discussed the the two thousand one game, and I, I I think you're right on with that. Two thousand one, Syracuse lost the first two games to start the year to Georgia Tech and Tennessee, and then rattled off eight wins in a row, and traveled down to Miami. Interestingly enough, the same day as this Notre Dame game, November seventeenth. Uh, was the day that Syracuse went down to Miami. Miami was number one uh, in one poll, number two in the other, and the Orange lost fifty-nine to nothing. But it was eight and two against undefeated and the top-ranked team, and that was a big game. And Syracuse Huge. was in the top fifteen at the time; they were thirteenth in one poll, fourteenth in the other. Very similar situation to this one. Notre Dame's undefeated, ranked number three in the country. You know, in line for a, a berth in the college football playoff. Syracuse is twelfth. They haven't rattled off eight straight wins, but they are eight and two, and they've won four in a row, and they're playing awfully well. And this this game has national title implications. Yeah, it does. When's the last time that Syracuse played in a game where you you feel like they really made a difference in the national title hopes? Well, you could go and, back to Clemson last year, and, but it, and it, I but know it didn't. didn't I know because it, at the end of the day, it didn't. But at the time, it did. At the time, you, you felt like it did. Well. Um, but it, but see, I I would argue. See, I I would argue there because I was Clemson. Gonna, I was going to continue. The year, Clemson the year prior had lost an ACC game. They still went and won the ACC and went to the playoff. With Notre Dame, I get the feeling that because they're not in a conference and because they don't have that extra game and because they don't have the ability to win a conference championship, Notre Dame needs to be undefeated to make this thing. 
that's one way that this game is different. The other way, I think I think it's 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 more important to to point this out, and that is going into the Clemson game, there was there was no belief that Syracuse was going to beat Clemson last year. It wasn't a, it was only a big game after the game. Yep. It wasn't a big game before the game, and I think that that is a key difference is that this this game has national title implications going into the game. And it's been quite a while before, you know, since we could say that. And again, I think you have to probably go back to 2001 when it felt like a, a key game with national title implications going into it, or there was an expectation Syracuse might win. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think that's the biggest difference between the game against Clemson, between the game against Virginia Tech two years ago, and this one this year. There's a legit buzz that it's a, that it's a big game prior to the game actually kicking off. I don't think that we thought that Syracuse would beat Virginia Tech or Clemson, and they became these big moments. They become they became these hallmark moments after the fact, but I, I don't think that they were going into the game. And and so I, in that regard, yeah, the, the this game feels different. This game feels a lot bigger. Um, to your point, it feels like there's actual implications on it heading into the game. That's not something we could have said about Clemson or Virginia Tech, or or any other game. I mean, you want to look at the the LSU game when when they came into the Dome with Leonard Fournette? You want to look at uh, the Clemson game that was the first ACC game ever in the Carrier Dome? Whatever game you want to pick out out of the recent past, it, it doesn't it doesn't match this one. It, it doesn't match this feeling of like, hey, they've got a shot in this game. So yesterday at Dino Baber's press conference, I, I asked the coach, um, you know, if he felt like this was the biggest game since 2001. For Syracuse football, um, you know, and laid out the rankings and the records and and everything that's on the line for both teams, not just Notre Dame. There's a lot on the line for Syracuse as well. I mean, if Syracuse wins this game and beats BC, you're talking Fiesta Bowl potentially. You're talking Peach Bowl. Um, so I asked him that. Here's here's his response. I don't see this like one of the biggest games since 2001. I mean, I think about Virginia Tech game being a conference game two years ago, Clemson being a conference game uh, one year ago, Clemson game being a conference game this year. How valuable is the pit game? Uh, to me, this is like a freebie. We're 4-0 in the second part of our season. We have a non-conference opponent, and we're playing them. And it doesn't affect our conference standings, but it does affect our overall record. So I look at this one a little bit differently than a conference game. Interesting take. Yeah, that is an interesting take. And I understand that he he wants to downplay, and he you know he he wants to downplay it with his team, I'm sure. And you know we hear coaches all the time say, you know this game's like all the rest. We prepare just like we and they and and they have to. I mean they're creatures of habit. But again, from the outside looking in, this this game does mean a little bit more. And of course it does. He's right. Not in the conference standings. This game is not a conference game. So I I understand that he's factually correct saying that. However, if they if they go one and one down the stretch and the one win is Notre Dame, the bowl implications are a lot different than if the one win is Boston College. I think that puts them in a different caliber bowl. By that I mean if they win Saturday, I think no matter what they're going to do New Year's Six Bowl. That's interesting because... Because it would vault them high enough that they can absorb a loss and still be in the top 12. Interesting you should say that because Notre Dame would fall out of the top four and then Notre Dame would have to fill one of the New Year's Six Bowls. But they're taking a spot anyway. They're taking one of the 12 spots no matter what. Whether it's the playoff... But Syracuse isn't going to the playoff anyway. But it doesn't matter. 
because it's one of 12 spots. Whoever's going to take Notre Dame's spot is already in the top 12, right? It's it's Oklahoma, it's Ohio State, Maybe. It's, it's West Virginia. They're already in the top 12. But so, you're saying Syracuse loses the next week, which is my point, is that if they if they win out, it's a no-brainer. But if they win one, lose one? If they if they beat Notre Dame, my, my point is, I think that they will vault high enough maybe. That, a lo- that a loss to Boston College, who's also in the top 20 and maybe even higher, I, I don't... I don't think it's going to drop them all the way out to 15. Maybe. I, I don't know. That is, again, a lot depends on what else happens around them. And you're right. Like Michigan and Ohio State play each other, so somebody's going to have to lose. Drop. West, know, West Virginia Oklahoma and Oklahoma are going to play Virginia, twice. West Virginia are going to play twice. All right. Fair point. If they split, though, you know, do both them get in ahead of Syracuse? I, I don't know. Um it's one way to look at it. You could also say, well, if they beat BC and lose to Notre Dame, then their losses are to Notre Dame and Clemson, and then in overtime to Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, and you could still make a case that that they deserve a bid uh, in the New Year Six. Probably not going to happen. You've got a better case if they beat Notre Dame and lose to Boston College. Interesting. All right, let's uh, let's get a quick phone call in here. Uh, John in Syracuse uh, joining us now on Orange Nation. Hey, John. Hi, Steve. I had a Two questions, one on basketball, one on football. Basketball one, have you heard anything new on Frank Howard coming back? Because it seems like seems like what's going around is we might not see him till January. And I think we're going to need him pretty soon. Uh, Secondly, yeah, uh, go ahead. as far as the Notre Dame go- game goes, do you think Syracuse can keep this game respectable? Because as much as I hate Notre Dame, I can't see it. I can't see that happening because there's just too much on the line for Notre Dame. Are you talking a final four shot? All right. That's all I got. All right, John, appreciate you checking in. Uh, to question number one about Frank Howard. We all know, and we're just keeping it from you. This this situation, I, I, I want to be careful how I, how I word this. We have gotten less and less information on it as, it as it's moved along. And to the point where Jim Beheim was asked about this on Saturday night, what is Frank Howard's status? And he said, you know, there is no status. When he's playing, you'll know. Clearly, he doesn't want to talk about it. I, I, I don't know. I'm tired of reading into it and, you know, it means this or means that. Or We know what we know. What, what, all we know is Jim Beheim and Frank Howard both said he'll be back around the time of the opener. That has come and gone, and now nobody's talking about it. So he's practicing again. There's no, you know, there's no boot on. I don't. I don't know. I mean, John said January. I think that's, uh, you know, have being no idea. sarcastic. I but I have no idea, so I can't. I, I think, don't want to speculate because I I honestly don't know. And then when we ask the people who do know, like Jim Beheim, he says, you know, you'll know when he's back. So there's your ask, answer, John. When we ask Red or Jerry or Griff on the coaches shows, they say, eh, they're making progress. Making progress. There there and isn't I, more that we've gotten. And I do think he's making progress. I mean, he's got the boot off. <laughs> yes, he's, he used to wear he, a boot. and now Then he, he went it. to shooting around, and now he's you know practicing to to some degree. And but in, in terms of a date of return, I I have no idea. Um, I think, but I, I I also just said you know I said tongue in cheek like yes we all know and we're just holding it from you. I, if anybody knew, if if I knew, if you knew, if Brent knew, if Chris Carlson and Donna and Mike and if any if anybody knew, they're gonna say it. Well, I don't mind the question from John. I mean, because no, I know, maybe he's just, wondering if today we heard anything. I the, the question is fine. Everybody's asking the question. I just I don't know the answer. Right? Nobody does. Well, some I mean somebody must know something or more than we know. Um, but that that's that's where we are right now with it. So we'll just wait and see. And Jim Bam said you'll know when he's back. Because he'll be back. So there you go. Um, 
as for whether or not Syracuse can can keep it close, I think they can keep it close. I, I mean, I I think they can. Now, could they lose by twenty eight? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Could they lose by a possession? Yeah. And we saw this team, you know, last year play some really good teams. I mean, at LSU and at Florida State and 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 Miami and 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 so on and so forth. And and to be as close as they were, and and Syracuse is better this year. Um, you know, and Notre Dame's really, really good. But can Syracuse? I mean, Syracuse should have beaten Clemson at Clemson. They should have. Um, and and unfortunately, it got away. But they, I think they've shown that they can hang in there. So, you know, the point spread is nine. I think. Is it conceivable that Syracuse keeps it within a possession? I I think it's conceivable. I think so too. I think they can make this a game. I, I think that it'll be competitive. They have not played in an uncompetitive game this year. Or they have not comp- played in an uncompetitive game. Where they got blown out. Right. Because they haven't. They lost in, the, you know, I mean, they're two plays away from being undefeated. One play against Pittsburgh and uh, and certainly one play against Clemson. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, they obviously haven't gotten blown out. They've been they've been right there the entire way. We do need to take a timeout. Full lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. It's brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs as we welcome in our producer, Tommy. What's up, Tommy? How's it going? You uh, you chimed in during the could Eric Dungy play tight end in I the did. NFL conversation. You texted us during the show. Um, I don't know. Do you think he could play another position? I really do think that tight end could work. I don't think he's quick enough to be a wide receiver, but I think he's quick enough to be a tight end, and I think he's strong enough to be a tight end. The tight end of the Giants is Evan Ingram. He's 6'3", 240 pounds. Yeah, Eric but he's Dungy's, really a real... He's not a tight... Like, But the reason he he's plays not tight, a tight end, end is though. he's fast enough to... Or he's big enough to play tight end and fast enough that it... You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's quick enough... To still be able he's to play not, tight end, even though he's not big right, enough. But, but Eric Dungey's the is, opposite, which what is I'm what usual is, tight ends are. I don't know that Dungey's big enough to play tight end. I don't think he's big end. enough to be a tight end. That, that, and that's he would I, obviously have to gain some weight, but 10 pounds isn't yeah. unrealistic to gain and become a what a tight end in the league is. Maybe. I, I just I think if he's got a future in the NFL, it's as a backup quarterback. Um, he's a tough kid. We know that. But, I mean, didn't, didn't Tebow try playing a little tight end? No. He was playing. They, refused. They, they talked about he was it. Playing right? on like he refused to do it. But they talked about it. I mean, people thought he should. He never did. So he moved to a whole never. So he was never sport. approached about that. Am I making that up? I mean, people might have approached him. He never did. Right. He he would but never. He would never consider. Okay, it. that's beside the point. I'm saying he was. People thought he should be a tight end. Fine. He was is, that, sure. is that how you want to put it? Yes. He to me, I when I see Tim Tebow, I see bigger and stronger version of Eric Dungy. Like I, I just I don't know if he's I just don't know if he's big enough, and I don't know why we're arguing about this because I, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, I, he's going to be a quarterback if he plays in the NFL. I think, um, I think he can play tight end. I really do. I think he's quick enough, and I think he's strong enough. All right, or at least mean, could get to that point. I didn't mean to take away from your time. No, that's so. fine. I also wanted to mention Nathan Peterman, your boy. He's gone. He's not my boy, but yes, I know he's, <laughs> he's gone. He's your favorite, and I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> um, so rookie of the year awards were announced yesterday in the MLB. Ronald Acuna of the Braves won the NL, but a lot of my gripe has to go to who won the AL Rookie of the oh Year. Oh, my God, no. And that went to Shohei Otani, who I believe won this award before the season started, honestly. Maybe. He did, but I I have no issue with this. 
50 innings I have is no what he threw, issue. and that's really w- what won him I have this no, award. I have no real problem three, with this. 3-3 ERA in 50 innings, and that's what separates him from Miguel Andujar at 297, broke doubles records, broke that's rookie fine. records and with the a, Yankees, 27 a, home runs, 297 a, can average. You, can you stop for two seconds? He's take, take a breath. I'm, I'm, I'm laying out the case. For He's laying breath. out the case. That's fine. Otani hit 285, hit 22 homers and significantly fewer at-bats. He was a force offensively, uh, and yes, he didn't pitch as much as he did, but his pitching was so much greater than anything Andujar did defensively. And Andujar's defense was such a negative that Otani won the award. Otani was—I uh, would I would take Shohei Otani on my team. Like, well, yeah, like I, like I, I think Shohei Otani is a better baseball player than Miguel Andujar. They were That's both not the rookies. Argument, though. They were both rookies. They both played this year. I, I, Otani, to me, Otani won this award on the field. Yes, he won it preseason. I, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Otani went in as the leader in the clubhouse, and there had to be something spectacular to knock him off. But at the same time, like I, I can't knock them for not taking Miguel Andujar because even though he he had an, an all time great offensive season, he was the worst defensive third baseman in baseball. He was the worst defensive third baseman in baseball, and you can't just forget that. So I I have no issues with not giving him the award. The argument is isn't who the better player is because Shohei Otani obviously is the better player. Miguel Andujar had a better year than Shohei Otani did. How can you argue that when he, quite literally, the worst defensive player in baseball, and the other thing that Otani brings to the table, no, he was not a defensive right fielder. He was a pitcher, and he pitched to above-average stats when he pitched. He pitched 10 starts, 50 innings. (laughs) That's fine, but his 50 innings were better than the other thing that Miguel Andujar offered. So when you you look at their batting, and they both had great, they both had really good offensive seasons, and you look at the other thing that they offered, Otani's was above average through 50 innings, and Andujar was the worst in in the league. Otani also missed It's like if Otani... It's like if Otani came out and was Lucas Giolito in 50 innings. If he was awful on the mound in 50 innings, then he's not getting the award. But he Otani was good in also his 50 missed innings. two months of baseball. Which make, Gary his Sanchez, which make his offensive numbers all the more impressive. Gary Sanchez got hurt two years ago in this award because, because he, he didn't, didn't play, play enough games. 104 games all of a sudden becomes enough? I think that he the, missed what, two to three on. months you, of baseball. So now, Otani games is different than the fifty-something that Sanchez played. But the point, so, so who came also, up with the rule of and he's also, you have to play this many games like, to win the rookie you don't. of the year? It's it goes year to year, and and also you have to factor in that when Otani is healthy, he's not playing every day because he's pitching. So it changes. It changes. But he wasn't some healthy for math. two to three months okay, of the season, that, and that's fine. And was I, out both sides of the ball. That's fine. I'm still. I would. Still Argue and, and I I think that Otani whole package whole package not just offensively because baseball is not just offense I, whole package I'm taking Otani's year I don't, I don't whole think so package I am taking Otani's season and Duhar was probably the MVP of the Yankees this that's season. fine that's fine that doesn't make him the best rookie in baseball I think he was He's, 297 average he, he 47 doubles okay. he played 150 games and he was terrible at third base. He was a negative 20 runs at third base. I don't think that should do it. I don't think that that should be what separates oh him. It's goodness. just like I don't think 50 innings of pitching at a above average mark. He was good. He was mark. above average on the mound. I don't think that should do it. I'm enjoying this. Just letting you guys kind of go at it. For once, Seth's not yelling at me. He's yelling at you. So I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> Doesn't this. Doesn't feel great. Um, 
He was literally a negative 20-plus runs in, in the field. Like, Otani didn't I get the ignore, chance to play in the I, field, though. But the he reason, never was going to. I, reason, I can't ignore that. The reason this is such a heated debate is that I think you, you both bring up really good points. I have a hard time giving that award to somebody who didn't play the whole year. Yes. Um, but Seth is right, too. I think you, you have to take the, the, the complete package into account. So... I think you're both right. Miguel Andujar was a minus 2.2 defensive war this year. Offensively, he was only he, he was a 4.6. He quite literally cut his value as a player in half because of how bad he was defensively. Like that, I still that think his offensive years were off the charts. His, his offensive was, years off the charts, and I, think, I still think that that should have given him That's fine. this Rookie of the Year award. I really do. That's I don't fine, think that you, 50 innings of... Just above average pitching that Otani did, needing Tommy John surgery, playing in a hundred games. I don't think he should have. I don't think he played enough to win it, and I don't think he even had a better year that he should have won it. It is tough to give it to a guy who missed that many games, but because he became a hitter for the last five, four yeah. months of the season, and Miguel Andujar was a better hitter than him for those four months. But that doesn't mean you take out everything else. It, just because one guy is strictly a hitter doesn't mean you only count the hitting stats for everybody. It's not 1997 anymore. If like it was a DH, you could do that. If it was, if it was 1998, Miguel Andujar wins the Rookie of the Year running yeah. away. Right. It's it's not. You know, and and we start looking at the at the big picture of all of this stuff. If if it's 1998, then JD Martinez is going to win this year's MVP in a landslide because he hit 30 some odd home runs, 40 home runs. He hit 300. He he knocked in the most runs in the majors. But it's not. And Mookie Betts plays defense and plays defense at an extraordinary level, and he's going to win the MVP. Because he's better than J.D. Martinez. And, and I think that when you look at who the best rookie in baseball was this year, whole package, factor everything in, Shohei Otani was a better baseball player than Miguel Andujar. Disagree. I don't really leave the numbers you're, out, but... Fine. You're wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Uh, what else you got for us? Hugh Jackson. He is taking on the Dwight Schrute role of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, hired by the Cincinnati Bengals two weeks later from being fired by the Browns. He is the special assistant to the head coach, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis, Michael Scott. Do you think he's running around office, telling everybody he's uh, an office special analogy as- for the people that haven't seen the show before? <laughs> is he is he running around telling everybody he's the special assistant head coach? He's got to be. I hope you can't so. be telling people you're a special assistant to the head coach. You have to be saying I'm the special assistant of the head coach or for the head I coach. I hope so. Have you seen the show before, Steve? I've not. Must watch. Is it very so? Good. Uh, so cat, Seth has seen something that I have not. I, I've seen like ten episodes. Okay. Of the show. I just started it's Netflix, watching. So. It's it's. Uh, I don't know if I'm all in. I'm you gonna. Will be soon. I I'm gonna get Top blowback. Show I'm me. gonna get blowback for that for saying that on the air. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I'm all in. Like I I don't know that I. There's office stands that won't be happy with you. I don't. I I don't know. I to this point, I think Parks and Rec is is Ooh. far superior. Wow. Far. Because I've seen all of far that as well. Disagree. To I'm, the a, point I'm an that office I'm, guy over, to the, po- over to the point that I'm at in, in the office, I'm not. I'm not buying it. You yet. got nothing on either, Steve. I think well, it's overrated. I, um, I I know this will shock you, <laughs> but given the the job that I have at night, I don't watch a lot of uh, prime time TV. TV? I, no, well, it's I really on Netflix. Don't. They're not on TV anymore. Well, yeah, I don't watch it while I'm on TV. You know, what I, I don't mean. watch it while like, it's I on never TV. got into it when it was on, and then I never really went back to it. So I I don't have a lot of free time. That's fair. Okay. You know, sometimes I'll have something on in the office, but I there's nothing. The office on in the office. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> there, to to dedicate myself to a show every week, I just I don't have that time. All right. Well, if you 
do have that time, which I hope you don't end up having that time, I guess, I would recommend The Office. Right. I'd recommend Parks I, and Rec. I know you said coming in here that, that Entourage was one of your favorite shows. Yes, top that, three. I did get into Entourage. There we go. But that fan. was a while ago. I'm a fan. When I had more free time. Okay. Um, but the whole I, thing? I did. I watched, yes, watched the whole thing. The I, movie. I watched the movie, too. Movie the movie was, was okay. The movie was, was okay. Just, the movie was a two-hour-long episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all it was. Basically, there was, there was just nothing, trying to wrap up all yeah, the loose ends. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing deeper than that. It was just a two-hour episode of the show, yeah. which is good. Yes, two hours that's straight of totally entourage. Fine. You can't really go wrong with favorite that. Favorite character, E. Okay, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Drama was my favorite character. Okay. Oh, Johnny. Yeah, he was good. All right. All right, are we are we done? That's all I've got. Hugh Jackson is now the new Dwight Schrute. Any beat a beat farm for? Hugh Jackson, you think he's going to have a beat farm? Or what farm will Hugh Jackson have? I, I don't know. I can't. I, I, need, I need more time to think of this. <laughs> that is a, I need more time to think of this. What will Hugh Jackson be planting? Hugh Jackson, look, the, the only thing I know for sure is that Hugh Jackson's going to be the coach of the Bengals next year when they fire Marvin Lewis. Oh, Finally. wow. Finally. That's what it's setting up for. Hugh comes in, he's going to be his hires job. him. To then be his, special, be his assistant, special assistant, and he takes yes. over the yes. office. How do you feel about that if you're <laughs> exactly. a Bengals fan? Exactly. Not Can't good. love that, no. No <laughs> reason to love that. <laughs> Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore's CPAs. Look ahead to 2019 with Grossman St. Amore's CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and tax preparation services. Visit GSACPAs.com. All right, we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll get to our top five, bottom five NFL power rankings. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. All right, Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by CH Insurance. It's, it's Tuesday, which means we need to get to our top five, bottom five. NFL power rankings, uh, a shakeup both in the, the top five and bottom fives. The, the Bills and Giants both uh, looking like capable football teams, and the New England Patriots uh, lost and, and lost badly uh, to the Titans. So where yeah. do you want to start? Let's start at the top. Let's okay. start at the top. Um, so the top three are going to be the same, right? Saints, number one, Chiefs, two, Rams, three? Yes, that's what I had this okay. week. Okay, same, same for me. Uh, where do you go at number four? I have the Steelers fourth. And we might like forget what they did, given that it was on Thursday night. But I thought they were really impressive. Stop I thought they looked, the Panthers. They looked incredible. And, and the Panthers were a team that we were both. They were, did you have they them were number the, five they, in my poll. You had them in your five. And, and I had them like very close. I had them kind of like next. So I, I thought that they lo- they were really impressive. So I, I gave the uh, the Steelers number four. Where'd I put, you go? I put the Chargers at four. I okay. know you've been high on the Chargers. I had them fifth I'm, I'm starting to buy in. Um, and, you know, you, you would think it's because of their offense. Uh, their their defense has been fantastic. They're on this this six game winning streak right now. They're they're giving up essentially two touchdowns a game uh, during this six game winning streak. They're they're giving up on average uh, fifteen and a half points. You're going to win a lot of games in the NFL if you give up fifteen and a half points and you've got Philip Rivers as your quarterback. And you know more often than not, he's getting to at least twenty. Um, they're doing it on both sides of the ball. They've been they've been very impressive. Um, so I, I know they play in a tough division because they got the Chiefs out there, but but yeah, I put the the Chargers fourth. I'm starting to buy in. Yeah, I, I really like the Chargers, and and fifth was really hard for me because I I had had the Chargers fifth, uh, like the the whole top, the last three weeks, and and I had my top five and it wasn't changing. I had my the Chargers followed by the Patriots, Rams, Chiefs, uh, and, and Saints going up. Um, I I don't know what to do with the Patriots. I, I really don't because. 
I still think that they're probably one of the five best teams, but they they look terrible and they got stomped by like a just a very mediocre Titans team. Titans I, I mean, lost to the Bills. The, just the, the just Titans so you just, know, the, the Titans just aren't that good. They they don't do very much of anything for me. So I, I don't really know what to do with them. I don't want to drop them out of my top five entirely. I, I kind of have them as a slash right now with the Chargers at five. I, I've got them as a tie at fifth, Chargers and Patriots. I know that's a cop-out. I hate doing it. It is a cop-out. It's okay. We make up our you own You do it all the time I, anyway. I do. So. I do. It's only okay when I do it. Um, I, I gave the nod to the Steelers, and in part I did it because the, the Patriots are banged up right now. And, you know, they've got a difference maker in, in Gronk, and he once again is having trouble staying on the field. Um, you know, Sonny Michelle was was banged up. They they've got some weapons that are hurt and not one hundred percent. So if a month from now, as they get closer to the playoffs, if if those guys are healthy, then yeah, I think the Patriots are in the top five. But if you're losing to the Titans, I don't care if you had a bad day, you should beat the Titans even on a bad day if you're a top you five should. team. Um I have the I have the Patriots second in my slash. They're okay. like behind my Fair slash. Enough. <laughs> well, well, I'm I'm just taking them out of my top five. Okay. So I put the Steelers fifth, and you know, yeah, the Patriots are right there, and I, I think they've got the potential, certainly to, you know, to make it all the way to the AFC title game. The, the problem is, is you know, the more they lose, they're they're hurting their chances of getting that game at Gillette, uh, and if that game's at Arrowhead, then it advantage Chiefs, and and it might not. I mean, it might be Chargers Chiefs in the. In the AFC title be. game. I mean, the way that the Chargers be. are playing right now. So, yes, I think the Patriots I are, are good enough to be in the top five, but they they got to get their act together. I don't know that it matters who the Chiefs are playing as long as that game's at Arrowhead. Fair point. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it does. Right, Chargers, go, Patriots, Steelers, who cares? Want to go to the bottom? Yeah, let's go to the bottom. Uh, Raiders, all the way at the bottom. Yes. Still. Uh, Cardinals, second to last. Yes. 49ers, third to last. Yes. Uh, I got the Giants, 29th still. And I got the Jets, 28th. All right. Well, I flip-flopped those. Um, okay. The Jets just looked They're atrocious. Just and the Giants actually were functional last night. And I know it was against the Niners, but it was on the road. And they had to put together a game-winning drive, and they did it. And That's like the one thing that you know Eli can do. Yeah. You, you feel confident. He's getting the ball back, or, or at some point you felt very confident. Now it's kind of like varying degrees of confident. But you know that Eli Manning, if he gets the ball back, you, you've got a good chance of going down and scoring. And, and last night, he, he did that. So based on what you saw, and, and what we've seen all season, I guess, but what you saw this week, you think if the Giants and Jets played each other right now, you think the Giants are losing that game? Nobody's watching. <laughs> well, that's probably true. <laughs> if the Giants and Jets play and nobody sees it, did it really happen? You're watching and you're bitter that Saquon Barkley's <laughs> on your team and Sam Darnold is not. Yes, I am. You are bitter. Very. Who's winning that game? Probably the Giants. Okay, so therefore they, the Giants should two, be 28th, hey, not 29th. I'm going to do the thing that you do. I'm going to do the thing that you do. They have two wins and the Jets have three. Okay, fine. You're like salty today. Went after Tommy. Using my, okay. using my is, tied for should, fifth against me. <laughs> I should admit, this is the second time I had the same discussion about the Miguel Andujar thing. Not with Tommy. Neil, uh, who works on the Daniel Baldwin show, came up to me earlier and had and had the even even more pared down and Duhar should have won the Rookie of the Year thing. He goes, "What a shame, Otani won sh- uh, Rookie of the Year." I was like, "What do you mean? Like he he was just as good offensively. He did everything else better." And he goes, "And Duhar's better." I'm like, "Thanks, Neil." Like, <laughs> like because I said so. I was like, I was like, cool. Like that's the conversation I wanted to have. You're wrong because you are. 
Um, all right, so that would explain your saltiness. So I was kind of ready. So, I was kind of ready to dive right. back. So during this commercial, I want you to go, you know, make nice with Tommy because you. No, we're all good. All right, I you, think you I went, hope you went after him pretty Did hard. I? All right, um, it wasn't personal. No, it, it never is on this show. We have fun, but uh, yeah, you went after Tommy. I mean, you, you know, calling me out for for doing the tied for fifth in our poll. And you tied you tied the Rams and Saints for second last I week. I did. I can do whatever I want. Uh, we, whatever. We make, we make whatever. up the rules. I don't know if we with can our go top with, five okay. NFL okay. power rankings. Yes, let's put some limits on. Okay, this. fine. I can do whatever <laughs> I want with my power ranking, and so put can some you. Some limits here. All right, let's take our final time out. Full lines are open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We'll wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.